Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sip With Me. I'm your host, Iwana Kekados. And I'm your host, Aaron Carlson. We'll release an episode for you every Monday at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, which means you can listen to us during your commute, after work workout, or even enjoy a drink with us during your very own Monday night happy hour. And who doesn't like to have a little fun on a Monday night? Don't forget to download all of our recipes on sipwithme.org. And be sure to check out our mystery bartender, whip up all of our favorite drink recipes on our TikTok at sipwithme underscore. Hey guys, welcome to season three of our podcast, Sip With Me. Today, we've decided to make an amaretto sour. The amaretto sour is definitely a staple at most bars, and it's a drink that's been compared to a liquid sour patch kid. And who doesn't love a sour patch kid? It's both sweet from the nutty amaretto and sour from lemon juice, while the egg white smooths out the tang. And yes, fun fact, it is my mom's favorite drink. So grab your amaretto sour and let's dive in to season three. So here we are. Welcome back, everybody, to Sip With Me. Ioana, I am so happy to be back on Zoom with you. I know. Um, you know, I thought when we started this podcast originally, um, you know, months ago, I would have never guessed that we would still be filming virtually and still, even after two full seasons, that we have not physically seen each other mm -hmm. in person since the beginning of the year almost. It's crazy. We were talking about this over Zoom in what, I think like April or March. Yeah. And now here we are going into the holiday season. It's October. It's November next week, and we still have not seen each other in almost, what, six, seven months? And we yeah. probably won't be filming um, in person next to each other for a lot longer, which is really sad because you're my best friend and I miss you. Yeah, and it's tragic that we can't enjoy these cocktails together. I know. Um, we have a cocktail for every episode. Yes. We have a, a cocktail book that we published yes. last season. Um, and... All we can do is like make them and, you know, cheers on Zoom. Exactly. And it's sad. It is fitting for the times and mm -hmm. it, you know, it is a, a shared experience, um, but it it's hard. And it's why I'm so excited to be here for season three and to keep Me the podcast too. going uh, because it really, in a way, has kept our friendship fiery and alive. Mm -hmm. So, and I, um, I do kind of want to go off that and just say, you know, if you're kind of going through this too, which everyone is really going through this at the moment, um, we hope that, you know, this one hour podcast a, a week really just gives you a moment to grab a cocktail with your friends and have a virtual cocktail hour. Even if you don't drink, you don't have to drink a cocktail. You could have water, coffee, whatever you love. Um, and just take a moment to be with friends, even virtually, because I think it can really change your mood and, and make remind you that, you know, things will get better and hopefully we will see each other very, very soon in person. Yes. And heading into 2021, there are certainly lots of changes that are going to happen in our lives and in the world. Everything is an unpredictable change at this yeah. moment. Um, but certainly as we, you know, film and release season three, um, we will be covering all of the changes and, you know, everything that's happening, uh, certainly over the next month or two. 
Because um, I, I think it is going to be one of those key times where a lot happens. Yeah, um, I So agree. I think we are uh, properly aligned in timing in terms of filming, pivoting topics a little mm-hmm. bit, structure of the podcast. And that's kind of what we're going to cover today. So this episode um, will be a little bit shorter than a traditional episode, mm-hmm. but um, we're going to give a quick um, little update on um, the world of MLMs and the yep. anti-MLM movement, which we you know, really deep dived for season two. Um, and then we're going to discuss a little bit about what we're doing for season three. Um, the buzzword of the day is true crime. Yes, um, it is. I know everybody loves that buzzword. Um, so we will explain our concept and how we're going to try to be a little bit unique in what we're doing. And then uh, to uh, round it out, we will discuss um, in our future episodes, it's going to become standard practice to have a featured bartender mm-hmm. who actually shares um, either the drink of the week that we've selected or a drink that they have crafted themselves for the podcast. So that's going to be really fun. Um, And we'll get to meet some really interesting, cool bartenders. And then uh, last but not least, we will also um, discuss, uh, we're going to be doing a quick rundown of breaking news headlines for the week. Um, As we release an episode every Monday, we'll give you a, you know, what's happened the past week, what's coming up this week. Um, So that way we can kind of stay, you know, really, we both wanted to originally do something with current events. So this is a way to bring Mm -hmm. that in during a really busy time of the year um, and give you all kind of a, uh, our perspective on what are the things to know. And then last, last but not least, we will end this episode with our predictions for the outcome of the 20. 20 How general crazy. election which is just what eight days away now yeah it's um, around the corner vomit everywhere <laughs> all over the walls all over the sheets all the emotions um, we will both give our predictions for what's going mm-hmm. to happen so much to cover it I'm is excited. a lot to cover are you ready i'm nervous I, I feel like it's been forever i know it hasn't been that long but it's yeah we a little bit of time <laughs> we did um take a little longer between yep. season two and season three than we wanted to um you know life's happening for everybody but um god what if we had happened i mean oh god several, <laughs> we both got tested for covid several covid scares i think between yes. the two of us we've yeah. had six or seven tests combined yep. mm-hmm. um several Which is... family member covid scares yep um and it's funny because we pretty much like, I mean, we're just social distancing. We're like the last people. To we are the really textbook. Ever... Yeah. We are the textbook examples of people who follow the science, exactly. follow the experts. Yep. No BS, no going nope. out, no indoor eating, no bars, Nothing. no social hangouts, none of that garbage. That is the reason why America yep. is sucking at maintaining and, you know, suppressing the virus. Um, and yet, you know, we have, uh, <laughs> we still had a moment. We've struggled, <laughs> but so, we um, didn't get it. So that's, that's yes, great. As so, far as we both know, we are both yep. healthy. Our families are healthy right now and that's yep. all we really can ask for. Yep, so, uh, exactly. And we're back again, a couple <laughs> weeks late, <laughs> but we're so here. may have lost some followers along the way, but you know, if you're listening, you clearly stuck it out or are yep. new. So thank you for tuning in.
So, Iwana, do you want to take it away? And uh, do you have anything you want to share or update our audience on regarding MLMs or the anti-MLM movement? Yeah. So, I don't know if you guys have been kind of keeping track. Um, Even when we were on break, we still kind of were keeping up with the news and kind of the anti-MLM movement as that's something we're still passionate about and will always be, even if we're not specifically covering it um, for that season. But as you probably know, or you might not know, um, there's been a little bit of tension or um, just some big things that have really happened in the movement. Um, And we've seen a few people, I think two specific people, um, we're not going to name names, but two people that have left the movement, which is totally okay. Obviously, people can change their mind um, and choose to not support a cause, um, even after supporting a cause for a very long time. Um, But I think it's important that we kind of talk about it because we did interview one of them um, and, you know, we had a great experience interviewing that person um, and we do wish them the best in all their future endeavors. Um, But I think it's really important to remember that even if two people decide to leave the movement um, and, you know, say certain things about the movement, uh, we really do stand by the anti-MLM movement and I've had amazing people on the podcast Uh, including um, Sarah and Roberta and Josie. Um, I know uh, Roberta is doing so much right now, um, legally, especially that we can't talk about, but just really making big waves in the movement. And we really are so excited to see them continue, all of them continue um, to make really big um, changes, hopefully, in, in the way MLMs are handled legally. Um, We've seen some recent lawsuits, obviously, with Monate and other companies dealing with um, certain regulations being implemented, which is so exciting. And we know this is small change, but we're so really excited to see how this continues. Um, And kind of what you talked about, Erin, we are still doing, um, even though it is true crime, it is kind of based off our last season. We don't really want to kind of go too far away from what we've talked about last season so we will be doing true crime but kind of a different perspective of true crime um, and kind of looking at ethical business practices and and kind of keeping that same theme um, because we still are very passionate about it and think it's super important and I think we will still continue to kind of update what's going on in the anti-MLM movement Um, one thing I'd like to say kind of on our behalf because I know with all the kind of drama um it's kind of come out that people feel that the anti-MLM movement is a little bit um, negative or kind of judging. That's never been the place we've come from. We have always seen both sides of the story. We and our whole kind of premise on on talking about this is we just don't want vulnerable people to be manipulated. Um, we still believe that MLMs are cults um, and we still believe that they manipulate people. If obviously it's your choice to choose to join one, but We just wanted to kind of put the information out there. So if someone is in one or interested in joining one, um, they just kind of have the facts and the information. So they're not blindly going into something, especially during such a vulnerable time. Um, People financially are struggling and we don't want people to be taken advantage of. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add, Aaron, to that. Yeah, I mean, it really was interesting. Again, everything with Iwan and I always in our friendship the timing is always like seems to be mm-hmm. so perfect with <laughs> yep. how it plays out. So when we finished filming the anti-MLM season, um, there was this like really unexpected sudden like push and like 
surge online of a couple key players in the movement like breaking away and Mm -hmm. like really seemingly overnight turning against anti-MLM. Some of them even coming out in favor of MLMs. Right. Um, And, you know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Uh, People can bring their own evidence to the table. um, And, you know, there are different lenses that you can look through. But the lens that I have seen that people, uh, you know, that have been coming out and are, you know, kind of railing against the anti-MLM community, um, which is what it is. It's a community of people that have either been hurt or know people that have been hurt. They're looking at it through a lens of privilege. Mm-hmm. That is the key word. Uh, there are folks out there who are turning around and saying, oh, well, MLMs, they aren't bad. You just have to, it's an opportunity to build your own business and to network and to like get people to believe in you. And like, you know, I'm sorry, but if you don't have friends or like you can't make it work, then you shouldn't no. be doing it. But I'm going to do it because I have friends and I have a platform and I can get people to do what I want. Right. And yeah, well, all those things that you're saying are true. It is also so completely privileged to water down the topic of an MLM to that it's just about building a business. Everyone has an equal opportunity and there are no complications around um, corruption, shady business practices, you know, products that are harmful, um, taking advantage of vulnerable people. Uh, financial manipulation, misinformation, all that stuff. That is all very real. And to ignore that, throw it out and say, you know, because I'm successful, because I have made a lot of money from this before, because I have a large Instagram following, that means that MLMs aren't bad. Like, you can have that opinion and you can go join an MLM and, like, do your thing, but don't actively fight against a movement that you once vouched for and suddenly, like, villainize it and right. act like you're the victim because you're not the community of people that have come together to spread a shared message. They are the true victims. Um, and, again, we don't want to call out specific people. Um, there are more than one um, person out there that we kind of saw, um, you know, taking this approach. And, again, Everyone is allowed to do their own thing, mm-hmm. to say what they want, to write what they want. That is what, you know, makes social media great. That's what makes America great. Um, but we just wanted to take a firm stand and, you know, restate our convictions, our beliefs, and our morals, um, and to stand with the people of the anti movement. movement. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you said, there are, um, over the past... I'd say month, two months, um, there have been uh, some lawsuits that mm-hmm. have been um, settled um, in a couple different states. Uh, and I think that what we're seeing, as we discussed at the end of the last season, is you know some actual actions being taken. Mind you, they are small. Uh, most of these lawsuits were basically um, against uh, different MLMs saying, you know, you have to follow this law mm-hmm. about, you know, what claims you're making, what you're claiming products can do, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then the end result being uh, follow this law and you have to give uh, this amount of, um, you know, U.S. dollars. You have to give this back in customer refunds to people who want it. Um, And while that is not necessarily shutting down the MLM, Mm -hmm. while it's not foundationally changing in practice, it is our court system and it is the FTC um, and all of those players starting to um, put them on alert. That's what's going on. Um, the FTC held a uh, Zoom conference and there was a session on MLMs and really um, some of the uh, high level people for the um, FTC kind of said, you know, we're paying attention. States are paying attention. And if you, uh, you know, MLMs, you can keep operating. But if, you know, you take advantage of people during this time, Mm -hmm. if you sell bad products, if you lie, we are going to come for you. Um, And I think that was them saying, you know, we're opening this door. We are going to use every resource that we have. Uh, They have not lost a case yet that they've decided to bring against in the MLM world. That is amazing to me. Um, And it's kind of like the, uh, if you know, the very famous uh, Southern District of New York. Um, They only bring very high profile cases that they are fairly certain that they will win. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that is what they want to do um, here nationally. They want to make sure that they have, uh, you know, legs to stand on and that they can take down an MLM if they want to. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what uh, they are opening the door for. So we will see heading into 2021 what happens on that front. I'm excited. And I think you've made so many good points that it is coming from a place of privilege to say these things. And I feel like that's just kind of an overall theme we've really seen in the U.S. in general recently, um, just with COVID and and so many things. Um, So I'm excited to kind of cover politically what's going on and kind of shift back into the news world, because that's really what we wanted to talk about, um, especially in the beginning of the podcast. Um, and also just kind of cover what's what's really going on and, and other unethical business practices, which we'll do um, covering true crime, which is very exciting and something we both love. I know you listen to true crime podcasts. I do as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're kind of obsessed, just like as everyone else. Um, and I think it, it'll be very interesting to bring a different perspective because I haven't really seen many true crime podcasts kind of talk about this specific Um, niche it's mostly you know murder like that's pretty much it you know oj's case and and, yeah a wife getting mad and killing her husband or you know which that's not a bad thing to cover um but i i think it'll be nice to and refreshing to kind of have a different perspective um and continue to cover um a very relevant theme especially in a time where people are struggling and and hopefully just kind of shining a light on um businesses and just business practices to kind of look out for. Yeah. And, you know, the way I would describe how we want to approach true crime is like a traditional true crime podcast mixed with like, you know, a good like deep dive news article, a BuzzFeed article, Mm -hmm. the CNBC show, American Greed. Like something like that, like a documentary that you would watch at like 2 a.m. because you want to like learn something weird. 
Um, what we're really trying to do here is we have compiled um, a really good list of um, stories, um, crimes, business crimes, a couple of murders, like mm-hmm. weird conspiracy crimes. And what we really want to do is find things that have not been overcovered in the yep. true crime world. Uh, because, you know, you have all the very famous cases that get, you know, beaten to a pulp. Um, then you have, you know, those like higher profile cases that a lot of the like, you know, top like tier podcasts have covered. Like I always assume and think about crime junkies when I think of true crime. Yeah. Um, they've done so they've covered so many cases, so many unsolved crimes. Um, and then you go a layer below that and you have, you know, your everyday crimes, local crimes that like maybe have been covered, maybe haven't been covered. And you go a layer below that to like the basement level and you have like crimes that nobody knows about or it was a local crime and it is totally ripe for true crime storytelling, but just never got picked up by the national media. Or you have like some crazy like weird like business crime that is perfect for true crime. People always mm-hmm. think of murder when they think of yep. true crime. And that is traditionally in the sense what it is. But there are great um, crimes, not great crimes that have been committed, but like great stories that could yep. be told um, that are really interesting and that people don't know about. And I think, um, I mean, we, we both love true crime and always kind of wanted to pivot to it, but we didn't know how. Um, but we found a story about... Um, that was covered by, I think it was NPR or maybe it was um, New York public radio. Um, And this was like a month ago now, I think, Uh, but it was essentially a story about um, major companies like Disney, Mm -hmm. um, hotel chains, cruise lines that basically um, created a MLM industry uh, out of call centers Um, recruiting people to essentially be an independent contractor for their company, but be employed through a like call center company. And there was just this great story about how like these really famous, like good companies that we all just like, you know, light up when you hear their name, like Disney is really what the focus was. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they really kind of investigate like this horrible practice of, being an independent contractor for this third party company that tells you that you work for Disney, but then you don't really work for Disney. And then, right. you know, you have to buy into the company. So you have to pay for your trainings. You have to pay for your license. You have to work from home. So you have to invest in all this equipment. And then they start to lower your salary as time goes on. And, you know, you have to accept the contracts they offer. There's all this stuff that goes on. And it, it's stories like that that are perfect for this, where, there are crimes being committed. Maybe it's not necessarily murder. Yeah. Um, but it is a story that we think people should know about and can learn something about and also ties into last season um, in terms of MLMs, bad business practices, and ultimately people being hurt, injured, or even dying from the decisions that other people are making um, in the name of making some money. So that's kind of... Um, the direction that we decided to take it in. Uh, And we have a super diverse array uh, list of, of stories that we have. 
I know I have two. I want to cover the call center story. Um, and then my other one that I'm focused on is, is a murder. Um, and it's a, a previously unsolved chain of murders in um, a small town in northern Wisconsin um, where I actually have a, um, like a vacation home. And um, yeah, and then uh, DNA evidence through like Ancestry.com or 23andMe like solved it and then led wow. to them uncovering that he was like a serial killer for the past like 40 years. Wow. Um, and that story never, ever got picked up by um, any national outlets. Again, because it was from such a small town. Um, and you know, Ioana, you've worked in news for a while. Yeah. Um, if a story doesn't drop with the right mm-hmm. pieces at the right time, if there's other stuff going on, you're just never going to hear about it. It's not yep. going to get picked up. Um, and so that's kind of what we're trying to find. We're, we are doing the... Uh, legwork of you know digging through the noise and finding the best stories to tell you that we think you need to know and that you can't go anywhere else for yep i'm excited i didn't even know that we were you were bringing that story so i'm interested (laughs) (laughs) yes so um yeah so there's some good stories that are coming and each week will be a little bit different Mm -hmm. which i think will be exciting um kind of like season one when we covered just uh, you know yeah. a different hot topic each week. Uh, it'll be that structure where, you know, you're, you're not going to know what you're getting until you tune in on Monday. So, yeah. And I think um, just kind of going from where we started to now, it's, it's exciting to kind of come back to the news part of what our podcast really was. Um, so I know we kind of briefly talked about this, but we'll be ending the episode with um, kind of like rapid fire headlines, essentially, um, and just kind of going through what's going on in the week, especially now living in the U.S. with um, the election kind of coming up. There's going to be a lot going on. So oh, I think yeah. it's important to kind of highlight that as we're both interested in that. And it's important to kind of know what's going on both in your community um, and in the world. So we're kind of re reorganizing the podcast layout, which is very exciting for us. Um, and it keeps things interesting, I think, for everyone as well. So yeah. I, oh, sorry, you can go. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I know we kind of wanted to um, also talk briefly on um, the predictions for the election, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> which is very scary. Um, I'm kind of, I'm very nervous, um, but I'll start with you, Aaron. Um, what are you kind of thinking as we kind of head into the next week and, and kind of having the ultimate um, final answer on what we've been waiting for, for the last four years? Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it, <laughs> Sorry, it's so really, much pressure. It's really a curse to give a prediction. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone is super trepidatious and cautious mm-hmm. after 2016. Yeah. When all the polling was not even just a little bit off, was so off. And there were only a couple of experts and a couple of people that saw what was coming. Um, so I'm very um, scared to give a prediction. But I think we also can't assume that we are going to make the mistake again of being off because we have spent a long time learning Mm -hmm. from our mistake. And I think that's what a lot of people are forgetting 
people are discounting polls, people discount, um, you know, predictions, um, say nobody has any clue what they're talking about. And I think we have to remember, you know, we've made mistakes like this before in our country and throughout history, but we always learn from them. Um, And I think that we have learned and like people, this past four years have happened so fast. People assume nothing has changed in terms of like, how politics works, how polling works, how, um, you know, how the news and media cover this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything has changed and people have learned and there are different tools and different data that are used. Um, so I think it is okay to feel comfortable making a prediction. Yeah. Um, and it, I think if people are wrong or off, it will not be as shocking um, as it was in 2016 yeah. for a lot I of people. Agree. Um, so with that disclaimer, um, so let me give you the context for my prediction. So, and as we mentioned over the summer in season one and two, if you had asked me a year ago, what was going to happen on November 3rd, 2020, I would say Donald Trump will take the presidency. Um, the Republicans will keep the Senate, um, with a, you know, right now they have a, uh, three-seat majority, mm-hmm. um, that they would keep around that, um, and that the Democrats who won the House back in 2018, they would keep the House. Um, that's always been kind of the traditional view of what was going to happen. Um, COVID happened, um, and again, mm-hmm. um, I will directly say this bluntly to all of you, uh, no, the nobody specific and no political party invented COVID. COVID is not a hoax. No, uh, it is not a political, uh, or economic weapon. Uh, shutdowns are not a political or economic weapon. COVID is real. Um, I know people that have died from it. Mm-hmm. I have family that have died yeah. from it. I know people that have gotten very sick, people that will live with the repercussions of it for their entire lives, both health, and economic consequences. Um, so with that said, COVID, um, it did hurt Trump's chances tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not because COVID happened and it's not because of the shutdowns and because the economy went to and will remain in a recession no matter who becomes president. Um, it was bad for him because he completely screwed it up. Um, This country has no organized uh, messaging, no communication plan, no strategy to uh, mitigate and reduce spread, Um, no uh, early and uh, consistent investment in vaccines, in uh, PPE, in treatment, in PR, uh, none of that. It's coming to formation now, um, but it was way too late. And that is the reason why, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars have been, uh, you know, basically like black funded to um, like private companies. And when I say that, I mean, like the U.S. government is giving companies billions of dollars and saying, we're not going to track it. We're not going to we don't need you to be careful about spending it. Just spend it and get us a darn vaccine. Um, Mm -hmm. And we really are at that place and we are at the place with um, the current infection rates because um, you've had such inconsistent messaging around how serious the virus is, whether masks work, 
whether social distancing works, um, whether you should take it seriously or not, like just all those things. Um, and Donald Trump's like rhetoric and his like vile hate speech and him politicizing the virus. Um, that's why he's doing poorly. It's not because like the Democrats have weaponized COVID. It's not right. because like the like blue states shut down and the red states didn't. Uh, like Joe Biden said in the last two debates, like it's not a red state, blue state issue. It's not Democrats, Republicans. COVID is an American issue. It's a global issue. It's a human health crisis. Um, and so with that disclaimer, uh, my prediction is that Joe Biden will win. Um, I think he has enough momentum and enough support behind him um, both from people who are lifelong Democrats, mm-hmm. um, people who um, maybe converted from Republican to Democrat in 2016 because they didn't really like Donald Trump. And, you know, they liked Hillary Clinton. They liked that she was um, progressive. They liked that she was a woman. Uh, I think that Joe Biden and Kamala will keep them. Um, I think they're going to gain a lot of people, a lot of people that voted for Trump because they said, I hate Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I hate that she is, you know, surrounded by scandal, that she is an insider. Um, and what is the worst that could happen with Donald Trump? He's a celebrity. He's a straight shooter. If anything, things just stay the same for four years. People very quickly realized this. And you will find this out if you go to any city, any suburb, Um, even some smaller rural communities, and you ask people, they will say this same narrative. They didn't know what he would be capable of doing Mm -hmm. um, and the damage that he would do. Um, And people don't want to give that shot again. Um, And people really just want to return to normalcy. Yeah, They want to not, like, hear about drama every day. They want to have somebody in the White House who, um, you know, I've heard before, they want, like, to not have to turn the TV off when, like, the president comes on and their kids are in the room. Um, They don't want to worry about, like, nuclear war and, like, being told that, like, a pandemic is fake. Um, People just want to go back to having civility. People don't want to feel, like, hatred in their own neighborhoods. Like, think about how much conflict there is between people and how tense we are. Um, I, I know everyone listening feels that, um, and people want to get away from that. The hard thing, um, will be, um, capturing those swing States. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, uh, Florida and Ohio, uh, are the most likely to go for Trump. Um, I think Biden has a pretty, pretty good shot at, um, Michigan. I think he has. I think he has a good shot at Pennsylvania. Um, Trump could definitely take Pennsylvania and Ohio. But at this point, I think that Trump is going to take Ohio and Biden um, would be more likely to take Pennsylvania. Wisconsin, for me, is a toss up. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Biden uh, is the right Democratic candidate to take a swing state like Wisconsin. Um, You know, uh, Obama did well in Wisconsin. Um, Listen, I'll be blunt, an old uh, you know, moderate white guy, that is the perfect Democrat to have to yeah. capture any swing rural Wisconsin voters. 
um, as I mentioned, northern Wisconsin, um, which is where uh, I have that place. Um, Joe Biden is like really at this point, the only Democrat that I could see people up there voting for. Not everyone, of course. I don't want to like stereotype too big um, because it's dangerous. But like, like if you had put Bernie, Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie would do great in southern Wisconsin and like Madison and Milwaukee. But in terms of getting that rural vote that heavily went for Trump, um, capturing any of that, like a guy like Biden is the perfect guy for that. Um, But I will also say because you and I both live near Wisconsin and uh, like interact with people from Wisconsin, hear news from Wisconsin. I go to Wisconsin a lot. Mm -hmm. Trump has tremendous support there um, all throughout the state. Um, It is a industrial um, agriculture. Mm -hmm. It's a state of everything. They have a great economy. Um, The people are great. Um, There's a lot of very notable, powerful Republicans that are from the state. So I I think at this point, I would give it to Biden based on the polling. But again, uh, I think it's within that margin of error where if you get enough of those people that don't express direct support for Trump to come out and vote, um, then you're going to see that. Um, So that's that breakdown. I do think, I think we will have a winner um, by the morning of November 4th. I, I agree. There's a lot of people and a lot of experts that say otherwise, but I think there are enough people. I, the majority of people, the large majority, are going to go vote in person, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, they have plans for it's it like the rhetoric says, it's like going to the grocery store. Exactly. There will be space between yep. people, there will be hand sanitizer, there will be poll workers cleaning. Wear your damn mask yep. and you will be fine. Exactly. Um, I already voted. I voted by mail and I felt comfortable with that. There yep. are a lot of people doing that. But I think between how many people will go vote on election day and how many of the states, um, some states are allowed to count their uh, early vote ballots um, before election day. Some states have to wait. Mm-hmm. That is what um, is causing this like prediction is that a couple of swing states are not allowed to count early and mail-in ballots before election day. Um, And it does take a while to like process all of those. Mm -hmm. And so that's why there are some experts saying it could be days, even weeks, if it's close enough. I personally think it's not going to be like 2016 where you had two or three states where it was, you know, within 10 to 50,000 votes to gave it to president Trump or gave it to Biden. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. That might happen in a state or two, but I think we will have a 270 electoral vote winner um, when we all wake up. Um, in terms of the Senate, which is the other prediction I would give, um, <laughs> that is a tough call. Um, I 110% uh, guarantee that the Democrats will keep the House. Mm-hmm. Um they could take a couple more seats. They don't need to win any more seats. They just need a majority. Um, but there are also uh, several um, Democratic seats that they are definitely going to lose. Uh, but they will keep their majority. And Nancy Pelosi will run and secure a seat as Speaker of the House again. Mm-hmm. For the Senate, um, Republicans definitely going to lose some of those 53 seats. Um, 
I think there's a lot of people that are hopeful, a lot of Democrats that are hopeful and optimistic that uh, they're going to take the Senate. Uh, it's going to be really, really hard to do that. If they pull that off, oh my God, you want to, I would Venmo you $200 and send you a nice oh my bottle God. of uh, champagne if they do that. Um, I think uh, they're going to take, God, what are the different races? Um, you have uh, North, is, yeah, North Carolina, South Carolina, um, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, Susan Collins of Maine, uh, Mark Kelly and Martha McSally in Arizona. Um, I definitely think Democrats are going to pick up, I think they're going to take three mm -hmm. uh, seats. Um, I think it's going to be really close. Um, it could be 50 50, uh, in which case the vice president would be the uh, tie breaking vote mm -hmm. for the Senate. Um, there is a clear path in my eye of them getting those three seats, but in terms of them getting that fourth seat, it's going to be hard. Yeah. And because if you do not know, Doug Jones, the senator of Alabama who beat um, Roy Moore in uh, 2018, I think it was, for a special election. Um, he is for sure in my book going to lose, um, to God, do you know that guy's name, Iwana? Um, it's the former Auburn, uh, college football coach, mm. Auburn university. No, um, it's literally a college football coach running for us Senate and is going to beat Doug Jones. But this is like, so Alabama, um, it um, is Tuberville. Yes, yes, yes. Tommy, uh, um... Tommy. I, I, yes, Tommy. Yep. Yes, Tommy Tuberville or Tuberville, <laughs> Tuber whatever yeah. his name is. No offense to people from Alabama or Auburn fans. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but I, will be, again, um, I'm getting more, um, I feel like I'm getting like, like somebody that's really old and is losing their filter. Yeah, um, I am. Alabama, well. super, super racist state. Yes. I'm yeah. not talking about the people. No. If you are from Alabama, if you know Alabama, you like Alabama, uh, and people there... I'm not judging anybody specific. Yep. I'm saying as a state, as a, as, a, as their, their legal system, mm -hmm. um, parts of their economy, very, very racist. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just, yeah, Doug Jones, Democrat, <laughs> gonna lose in the Trump era. So that means they actually have to pick up even one more seat on top of that to account for that loss which is why I think it will be hard for them to get a 51 mm -hmm. seat majority. Uh, it could happen. There is a path for it, but it does not look likely. Um, so my prediction for the Senate balance, uh, you know, I'm going to go 51 49 with the Republicans keeping control. Okay. But it could be 50 50. I like that. I So yeah, that, that's my prediction. I agree with everything you have said. Um, I obviously think Biden's going to win. Um, and I'm excited for a hopefully a new um, a new president and hopefully another or not another but four years of just uh, more stability and hopefully this pandemic um, sooner than later um, being a little bit more under control because right now things are not under control. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting uh, that people still believe that um, Trump will win kind of based off the last election. Um, I mean, 
the thing is, like, anything can happen, but um, it is looking like Biden is going to win. I think exactly what you said. Biden is a little bit um, he's moderate, so he is definitely going to win those votes of people um, who are Republican, but they're not extreme. And um, and I think that's something I've kind of talked about with many people is that, like, if you look past um, in past years, um, I've always felt like, yes, even if you were Republican or Democrat, regardless of who won, people were pretty moderate. And like, either way, you were pretty happy and and it wasn't extreme. And I feel the last four years, things have gotten very out of hand. And not only politically, but people have become very extreme to the point of like, I have felt unsafe. I know, like, it's just scary. And I, I really want us to get back to a point where regardless of who you what you believe, um, you know, at the end of the day, you you hope for the best for everyone and want the best for everyone, regardless of your political opinion. And we can be less extreme, more moderate and just more civil with each other, because at the end of the day, I think I hope everyone really just wants the best for their children and their own future. Yeah. And I really hope we can get back to a point where in future elections, you know, we both look at both candidates and aren't scared of one because we shouldn't, no one should ever be frightened or worried about their lives or anything uh, looking at a political candidate as president of our country, because that's not what the president does nor should ever do. Um, So I'm excited for, for the election and for the next four years um, and the future. I think we have, we can only go up from here. And we've said this many times in our friendship. <laughs> and I really do believe that. Oh, um, and again, regardless of your opinion, um, I just think we all want a happier, brighter, stable yeah. future. And, um, you know, this year has yeah. been crazy. So I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm very, very hopeful and excited for not the next four years, just for the next 40 years Um, and excited to see more change because we need continued change. We've seen, you know, with the protests for black, uh, the black lives movement um, and just like all these positive things in such a hard time. I hope we continue to make great change that needed to happen many years ago um, and have political figures that will stand by that change and um, just be a voice a positive voice to look at um, to unite everyone because that's what we need right now. Not to sound so mushy gushy over politics. No, no, it makes well. It's we have to though because we're we're really at a dangerous yeah. like tipping point, and I, I've had so many friends and family members like kind of weirdly in like a trend over the last month, like make a like side joke about like civil war. Um, and like that kind of like feeling that they have. And I'm like, no, that's like actually true. Mm-hmm. Like think about before 2016, think about our lives and how we like engaged with each other, how tuned in we yeah. were to politics, how we treated each other as people like from when nine 11 happened mm-hmm. and then you had, you know, seven years of war and then you had the, a great recession and like it was people like coming together as Americans in hard times, being true patriots, being what 
Donald Trump says he stands for. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a wake-up call if you haven't already realized this. Donald Trump is a sham. His, I have, I have. Sorry, I have to do. Yeah. I have to endorse a candidate at this point. Um, I know we've tried to stay. Yeah, well, we've never like really been no. that neutral. We we like to say that we're neutral, <laughs> but uh, it's it's hard for both yeah. of us. I know. Um, regardless of your if you're Republican or right. Democrat, I I'm a pretty moderate person. Yeah, I would um, say I'm, a and I know you are too. Yeah, and I know for a lot of people. Neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden are their ideal choices. You go, we have 380 (laughs) million whatever people, and these are the two that we have. Right, we chose two white Um, old men. (laughs) There's a lot of people that hate that and are resentful for that. But I would beg you, you know, people talk about, oh, the economy. They talk about jobs. People talk about abortion. People talk about the courts. People talk about states rights like all these different issues and i'm like step back at the end of the day take a very large scale view of our country right now and Mm -hmm. go are you happy with the state of the country are you happy with your life right now are you happy with how you feel about your neighbors think about those things and vote on that because let me tell you something everybody at the end of the day who is the president it shouldn't really matter that much because there are so many people, mm-hmm. so many people in our federal government and in our state governments that are actually running the show, that are actually making the decisions. Mm-hmm. All those things, that's 99% of the meat of what right. government is. The president is that 1%, is the figurehead, is the person that makes the very large, broad decisions. Essentially, they are the culture set. Right. They set the culture and the tone, and they represent our country. That's the president's yep. job. The pre- if you think that the president of the United States determines how well the economy is doing or that they are solely responsible for the pandemic response, if they are the ones that decide what happens to the courts, that is no. all a bunch of baloney, and that is a narrative that you have unfortunately bought into. This country is run by the courts. It is run by your local municipal yep. governments, by the people that volunteer their time to you know, actually have debate and civil discussion about what things are going to be best for our towns, what each different state needs to have, um, what different people and places are good at. Um, that is really what matters. That's why, like, it's scary to me, too, that we are spending so much time focused on just the presidential mm-hmm. election, because really, it's all those down ballot races yeah. that matter. I mean, think about it. Like, if you're voting right now, okay, so you jumped to that presidential column, you know, you're one way or the other way, and you voted and you were like, yes, I am so excited to vote for Donald Trump, or I'm so excited mm-hmm. to vote for Joe Biden. We won't even go into like Green Party or no, Libertarian. Like, just... Please, please don't no, vote for that's any irrelevant of that this year. Please <laughs> do not waste your vote this nope. year. Um, but then you get to like, there's like 40 down ballot races and you go, oh, I have no idea what any of this mm-hmm. means. Like in Illinois, we have, we have a constitutional amendment on the yep. ballot. Like that's a huge deal. And people have no idea like, nope. what it means, what it's saying. Um, so just pay attention, please do research, please do go out and vote. Um, if there's ever a time to like take some time and research and to actually become engaged, yeah. it is now. 
parents, if, if there's any, I don't know if there's any parents that listen to Maybe. this, but parents, if you have <laughs> kids that are a voting age and they don't want to vote or, you know, you don't know if they're going to vote or you haven't had this conversation at your dinner table, please take them to mm-hmm. vote. Regardless of who you're going to vote for, regardless of who they're going to vote it's, for. They're right. Go vote. Everybody, take your friends, tell your family, text people, yep. post on Facebook. I always say, if you're not communicating, if you're saying, no, I'm not going to have political discourse because I don't want to have conflict with my friends and family, you are complicit and part of the mm-hmm. problem. Take this next week, use your voice, use your body, use your energy, and please get engaged. Because next week when we have an episode, there's going to be an update. Yep. And <laughs> there uh, is. if you're not happy with it and you did not do your part now to help move the ball, um, I'm sorry, you but can't the, you can't, you can't complain <laughs> nope. and we can't go back. Exactly. Um, so please take action yep. um, and, and do what you can. That was amazing. God. So emotional. I know. Oh, no, God. it's good. People need to be more passionate about this because being ignorant and just ignoring it is not going to make anything go away. You want change. You have yeah. to, you have to use your right to vote. People wish they were able to vote. Some people aren't able yes. to vote. So do your part. Do what you're supposed to do, regardless of who you vote for. Just do your part. Yeah, it's your right. I, I, so you, I completely agree. So, please, if it, even if you are, vo- I can't believe I'm saying, <laughs> even if you okay. are voting for Donald yeah. Trump, please go and vote yeah. because not only are they on the ballot, but everybody else down the ballot yep. that supports you, that that are the teachers that run your libraries, yep. that are determining the culture in your police departments that decide like where your taxes Mm -hmm. go. They're all on the ballot too. So make sure that you educate yourselves and go vote. Thanks for listening to Sip With Me with Ioana and Erin. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, sipwithme.org. And don't forget to check out our cocktail book called Cocktail Bible on our website, as well as other exciting Sip With Me content. And if you love our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at sipwithme underscore. Join us next week for episode two, which we will release on Wednesday so that we can cover post-election analysis. We will also deep dive our story on independent contractor call centers that some of the largest and most reputable companies like Disney use to employ people that think that they can work from home and make it all right.